The following discussion is only tangentially related to our Mishnah. We're going to cite our Mishnah in the course of the following discussion. Uh, the discussion is going to focus on whether someone can make a vow and have it applied to something in the future and compare that to asking an agent to do something that he, he couldn't do right now but will only be able to do once something changes in the future. All right, we're going to get there, but first we have to set up the case, which is a really fascinating and somewhat strange case. A person tells his messenger, can you go and do Kiddushin to a woman? He doesn't specify which woman. He says, anyone that you choose is fine with me. And then the messenger dies or does not come back for whatever he moves to a different country. And now we presume that the messenger did fulfill what the sender did, uh, asked him to. And so he went to some woman and gave her some uh, coin or a ring and said, you are Mekadeshet too. The, sent, the, the guy who sent me, and she agreed to it. So now there is someone that this guy is, uh, is married to, basically married, Kiddushin, and, but he doesn't know who it is. Um, so this is a problem. Now, why would anybody in the world uh, do this and say, tell someone to go marry uh, anyone who you choose? Well, it's not that strange because, after all, Abraham Avinu, in fact, asked his servant to go and find someone, uh, someone good. So I guess it's a trustworthy servant and says, you know, this is the character traits I'm looking for. And uh, that way the messenger will go and do it. All right, this case he does it, but we don't know who it is. Now, here's the problem. Since he doesn't know who it is, he is prohibited from then marrying anyone in the world. Why? Well, if he happens to find that very woman uh, who agreed to the Kiddushin, then actually that would be great if he actually knew it, because then he could just go marry her. The problem is that once he has Kiddushin to a woman, he is prohibited to that woman's close relatives, her sister, her mother, her daughter. And therefore, anyone in the world who has a, who has a relative, a female relative, will be prohibited to this person. And pretty much everyone has a female relative. And so anyone in the world that he goes and uh, goes out on a date with, he'll have to worry. Maybe this is a sister of someone who I have kid, I did Kiddushin, my messenger did Kiddushin with, and I'm prohibited to her. Can't marry her. Can't marry anybody. Okay, this is the reason. We have a chazaka. We have a general presumption that a messenger does what he's asked, even if he doesn't come back and report a mission completed, we assume that he went and before he died, he did in fact complete it. And since he doesn't know, he never uh, uh, revealed who that woman was, um, so he doesn't know, uh, he never clarified which woman to choose, the messenger never, the sender never said which woman to choose, so he doesn't know which one it is, and therefore he has to suspect that everyone is prohibited to him. He's really stuck. All right, that is the statement of Rabbi Yitzchak Bar Yosef in the name of Rabbi Yochanan. However, Rabbi Yochanan's colleague, Resh Lakish, argues. Resh Lakish, Rabbi Yochanan. He asked a question from a Mishnah in Kinim. Can 
שטומא שפרחה גוזל אחד מהן לאוויר העולם, או שפרחה לבין חטאות המתות, או שמת אחד מהן ייקח זוג לשני. Here's another case where there is an unidentified, uh, pro- uh, uh, prohibited bird somewhere in the world, Um, and we, we don't know how to find it. Um, so the case is like this. Someone has to bring a pair of birds, like a zav or a zava, uh, that they're obligated to bring a uh, one bird for a hatat, one for an ola. Now, if he goes and says, he, he chooses a certain nest and said, I'm going to bring the two birds that are in that particular nest. But he didn't specify which one will be an ola and which one is a hatat. Now, bir, uh, uh, um, now all of a sudden, one of the birds flies away, parcha, um, and goes, it flies, it flies out and doesn't come back, and we can't find it anymore. Or, um, it, or it went not, we, it did go to a specific place, It went to a place where birds go to die, literally. Um, if you have a bird that you desig- that someone designated for a korban hatat, and for some reason he cannot no longer bring the korban hatat. For example, if the per- owner uh, who designated that bird has to bring a hatat, he dies, the owner dies, then the hatat, that bird, cannot be used by anybody else, and it's a holy bird, and uh, so you just put it in some area, and wait till it dies. If the, this bird that this guy chose, he's alive, but the, one of the birds from the nest that he chose uh, happens to fly in and mix in with these birds that are prohibited. So, um, uh, uh, so that would be a problem. Or if one of the birds dies, in all these cases, we have one bird left over that we know is designated to be holy, and uh, we didn't designate if it's Ola or if it's Chatat. So we have a remedy in these cases. Just go and get a second bird, put it together with the first one, and then you'll bring, you have a new pair. Okay, so that's uh, simple enough in that Mishnah. Now, Ve'ilu ken meforeshet en lo takana. However, The Mishnah continues to explain if um, the owner, the Zav, uh, went to a nest and he, he, he did specify um, this bird is going to be uh, Ola, this one is going to be Hatat, um, then he has a problem. He has no remedy. He can't just bring another one. Here's the thing about birds. They're kind of like twins. When, when you have uh, identical twins next to each other, usually you can tell them apart. But when you only see one identical twin and the other one's in a different place, then it's hard to tell which one it is. Same thing with birds. When the, if the birds are together, and I say this one's Ola, this one's Hatat, I have some memory of some, some characteristic that they look like, this one's Ola, this one's Hatat. If one of them flies away, I only have one left, I don't know if this is the Ola or this is the Hatat. And so therefore, I can't just go get another one to replace it because... What am I going to replace? Am, am I get the one that I replace? Is it going to be the Ola or the Chatat? The one that's there, is that Ola or a Chatat? They're treated differently. And so therefore, I have no remedy. I have to go get two new ones all together. All right, that's the Mishnah. Here's Resh Lakish's uh, question. Where, uh, so what, what is this guy going to do? He's going to go find some other birds. But we should ask the same question. We know there's a bird, a prohibited bird out there somewhere. Um, and, um, and so therefore we should say that that all birds are going to be prohibited because we don't know which one it is. We pick any, take any bird in any nest anywhere, and who knows, maybe this is the very 
bird that was designated and flew away. And if it's a korban chatat for this person, then it can't be used as a korban chatat for someone else. If it was the olah one, no one else can use it. If it's a holy bird, no one else can go and uh, take it for, for dinner. And so we should say the same thing, that um, he, there is no, uh, 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 that there is no remedy, not only that can he not use that one, that bird that remained, he cannot find any bird in the whole world that will, he will be able to use. Same thing as the woman, since we, he, I know this, this sender is, uh, had did Kiddushin with some woman, and therefore he's permitted to all women, because who knows, any, any woman that he meets might be a relative. So why don't we say the same thing? For every bird that he meets, maybe this is the prohibited bird. So obviously, obviously we don't uh, say that. And in the Mishnah and Kinim that says um, that there is a Takana, um, if the, if he didn't specify which bird it is, he can go get another bird and use the same one. And otherwise, he gets two new birds. And so, um, uh, it, therefore, why why would we do that? Well, we follow the majority, right? Called the parish, meduba parish. Um, and so if you find any random bird, the vast majority of birds are not the one that was prohibited that you designated. Um, so say the same thing here. Um, he did kiddushin to one to one woman. All right, but all the other uh, 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 fish in the sea, birds in the sky, all the other women in the world are not that woman. And so why, why not just follow the majority, Rabbi Yochanan? All right, it's a good question. So, but Rabbi Yochanan has an answer. Amar le kamina ana isha de la naida li at isura de nayed. You're comparing things that are not the same. I'm talking about women who do not move around they live at home and you're telling me about birds um, where that's a prohibited thing that does move around this makes an important difference when 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 we talk about the laws of majority it makes a difference if something remains in its place or moves around we have a principle uh, anything that remains in its place we treat it as 50 50. the classic example is if there are 10 stores and um, uh, n- n- one of them is not kosher. Nine of them are kosher. Um, and the person goes into one store, he doesn't know which one it is. That me- and he bought something. That meat is prohibited. Even though there are nine kosher stores and only one not kosher, since he went into the store, for each particular store, we'll say, this store, 50-50 chance, that store, 50-50 chance, that each one alone, because he doesn't know, is this kosher or not kosher, we treat them all 50-50 and it's prohibited. However, if some meat is in the middle of the street without packaging, that indicates what store it came from and happens to be on that block, there are majority kosher stores. Then since it moved, since it left its spot, therefore we say uh, nine out of, even two out of, uh, out of three chance um, that, uh, of kosher stores, then it's kosher and you can eat it. That is the basic principle of probability in the Talmud. Although uh, it might be hard to calculate mathematically why there would be a difference, but psychologically there is a difference between something that moves, then we take into account the entire mixture, whereas something in its place, we look at it individually and say, well, I don't know, this I have a doubt, 50-50. Okay, same thing here regarding birds, the Debi Yochanan explains. Uh, birds move around and therefore it left its place, and that therefore the majority of birds are kosher, are, are not, are, are not your, your, your korban that you designated and therefore you can you can just take any bird whereas women 
our people and human beings live at home. Um, they don't. They go out for a little, but then they always come back, and they they have a basic spot that they live. They're not considered things that leave and mix in with other um, uh, with others. All right, so that's why I'm treating every woman in the world like 50-50 chance that she is a sister or a mother, a daughter of the one that um, was Mikudeshet. Okay. And if you'll say, no, women also move around. How do you know? Maybe this messenger, you think he went door to door knocking on, on people's door and say, hey, would you be willing to be Mikudeshit to my, uh, to my sender? No, probably he went to the marketplace and he looked around and he found uh, someone that fit the criteria did Kiddushin in the marketplace. Um, so, so it should be the same and call it also that it left its home. She didn't do Kiddushin in home. Maybe he did do Kiddushin in the marketplace. And we say, no, it's still different um, because regarding, uh, um, uh, 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 regarding woman, eventually she returns to her home, whereas uh, birds, uh, once they leave their nest, that's it. They uh, do that. Does it come back to its nest? If it came back to its nest, we would find it. We would know what it is, where it is. But this one didn't. It flew away and um, went somewhere else. And so that is the major difference. It doesn't matter if right now they happen to be temporarily leaving, but if they have a home like the women do, that's considered set in place and treated 50-50. Birds um, who leave their home do not come back and therefore are uh, so, something that moved out. All right, so far so good. Now here is going to be the main object of the of where we're getting to. Rava here, fourth generation, is commenting on what Rabbi Yochanan said in Eretz Israel a couple generations before him. And he's saying, this law of Rabbi Yochanan, that this sender is prohibited to all women in the world, actually there is a way out. Um, uh, uh, Rabbi Yochanan would agree that a person can marry a woman who has no female close relatives. If she has no daughter and no granddaughter from her daughter, no granddaughter from her son, doesn't have a mother, doesn't have a mother's mother, and doesn't have a sister, right? For uh, so all those people uh, before her died and she has uh, no children, no daughters, and then you can be sure that either this woman is the one who the messenger gave Kiddushin to, in which case he could go ahead and do Kiddushin again, there's no harm in doing it again, and marry her, and that would be perfectly fine. Or uh, she's not the person, and there's no chance that uh, there's a close relative, because she has no female close relatives, and therefore he could find someone like this, um, who's an orphan and and childless, um, or she can have a father, she can have sons, but she has no female relative, and therefore, and marry her. Good. And now he adds, Rava. And even if she does have a sister, but at the time that the sender told the messenger, go and marry and, and, and marry someone for me, if that sister was married at the time, um, then it's permitted uh, for the sender to to go ahead and do kiddushin with that married uh, person who um, who, who was uh, then divorced. In other words, if at the time uh, 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 later on, 
right? This guy is going around and he can't find someone who has no female relatives. He found found someone who has uh, the, he found two sisters. Okay, good. So um, and one of them is single. So that might she might be the one. Maybe maybe not. Um, uh, but then this sister has uh, the the other sister was married at the time when he sent the messenger since she was married at the time if the messenger would have gone up to a married woman and said hey can you be mikodesha to some guy that wouldn't work even if he gave her the ring and she accepted it it wouldn't work if you try to do kiddushin with the married woman it doesn't work and therefore we can be sure that this woman who was married at the time uh, is number one not the woman that is, is was not the woman that the guy did kiddushin with um, and therefore, the sister who uh, was single uh, at the time and is still single is certainly permitted to this guy. In other words, having a sister who was married is the same as the other cases of someone who has no female relatives. In this case, this woman has a female relative, but that female relative was out of bounds. Uh, it could not, you cannot, he cannot have done kiddushin with her. So there's no need to worry that the woman he's going to do kiddushin with now, no, maybe he actually did kiddushin with her sister. No, that sister was out of bounds. And therefore, this woman he was, who is, he's going to do Kiddushin with, either she happens to be the one uh, out of a, a million that the messenger found, or um, not. And if not, no one in her family could have been married because they were, um, uh, could have done Kiddushin with because she was married at the time. Now, even though right now she got divorced in the meantime, and we don't know, it doesn't matter when, uh, uh, we don't know exactly when she, well, she, we can ask her, we know when she got divorced, um, but we don't know if she got divorced or not uh, before the messenger died or after the messenger died. Um, we don't know. So that's going to be our next question. And so we said, what is the reason why Rava says, this is Rava um, who is extrapolating this idea from Rabbi Yochanan. Um, how, why, why does Rava say that? Well, because at the moment, that the sender told the agent to go and find any woman that you want, um, uh, that, he, that he said, go and say that, go and, and, and marry someone. She was already married. Um, uh, uh, and so, therefore, the, they, were out of, they were out of bounds. And when a person makes a shaliach, it's only, he, can only, he only generally makes a shaliach for something that the shaliach could do now. If it's something that the shaliach cannot do now, but would only be able to do in a changed circumstance, a person doesn't have that in mind. Therefore, the sender uh, has in mind, listen, go and find a single woman and, uh, and, uh, and do kiddushin for me with that woman. A person is not going to have in mind Go find someone who's married now, wait till she gets divorced, and then do Kiddushin. So therefore, he would not be authorized to go and do Kiddushin with that previously married woman. Um, uh, therefore, the people that, uh, uh, the people that might have been uh, the one that were, he did Kiddushin with are only all the single ladies that were uh, single at the time of the messengership. That's why it doesn't matter if... He, she was married at the time that he, uh, that the sender sends, uh, tells, sends the messenger. And let's say she divorced 
an hour later. And then the messenger goes and finds her. No, the messenger would say, wait, when did you get divorced? Only an hour, hour ago? Uh, no, my, my, uh, my sender uh, did not authorize, authorize me two hours ago. And therefore, you are not, I'm not authorized to do Kiddushin with you. And even if he does it, it wouldn't work because that is not a valid messenger ship. So that is the idea. Um, that's what we can extrapolate from Rava's uh, statement. And so here um, is, is going to be the subject of a question. The question is, is it true that a sender um, can, would not uh, um, tell a messenger to do something that will only apply in the future? Um, this is contradicted by our Mishnah. This is why this whole discussion is here. Okay, now our Mishnah is actually does not involve messengership, and that will eventually be an answer. But there is a similarity regarding a vow. Does a vow uh, apply to only something that exists now, or even something that will exist in the future? Here's our Mishnah again. One guy, a person A says, I'm going to be a Nazir, and I also take upon myself that I'm going to shave another Nazir, meaning he's going to pay for his sacrifices. His friend B then hears that and says, oh, good idea. Vani, I'm also going to be an Azir, and I also will take upon myself to shave someone else. If they're smart and they want to save money, then they can sponsor each other. That way they're both Nazirim, so that fulfills that half, and they both sponsor someone else, yet they only have to pay for one of them because they're sponsoring each other. And if they don't do that, then they're going to have to pay for their own, and they're going to have to pay for someone else, C and D, who um, are Nazirim. Good. Now it's the Mishnah. Now Bishlama Batraa Ika Kadmaa Kame. Ella Kadmaa Mika Batraa Kame. Here's the question. We understand B. B is looking at A, who is already a Nazir. And B says, I'm going to be a Nazir and I'm going to shave. Now he can have anybody in mind. Now remember the Mishnah says if they're smart, he'll have he'll shave so he'll shave A. Now that works for B because at the time that B makes the vow that he's going to shave someone else, A is already a Nazir. So he says, I'm going to shave a Nazir. That, that means anyone who is a Nazir in the world. And this guy already is a Nazir, Mr. A. The problem is for A, when A makes and says, I'm a Nazir and I'm going to shave a Nazir, so that vow should only uh, should only apply to people that are currently nazirim in the world, and B is not yet a nazir. So how could A possibly uh, fulfill his uh, vow of shaving someone else by shaving B, who was not yet a nazir at the time? Ah, so what we can see from here is that a vow can work. Uh, 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 can apply to something in the future. I can make a vow that whatever I'm going to shave a Nazir and then go and shave someone who was not yet a Nazir at the time. So too, um, I, I should be able to um, uh, 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 send my messenger, hey, go and, and uh, do Kiddushin with any woman that you want. And then he goes and finds, and at that time, there's a woman who's married, um, Mrs. A, she's married, and then he goes and, uh, and, and uh, finds her, but turns out, oh, an hour later she got divorced, so that should be fine, because uh, just like I can take a vow and then 
uh, uh, shave someone in the future, so who, who's not yet was not yet as nazir, so too I should tell a messenger do kiddushin with uh, someone. And even though at that time she was married, since once she's uh, divorced, now she's single, so he should be that should work just fine. All right, that is our question. It's a question really on the Rava who extrapolated from Rabbi Yochanan that uh, you could you could marry someone who had. A, a married sister who then got divorced and those everyone would agree if she's still married the whole time she was married the whole time certainly you could marry the sister um, but here even if she got divorced somewhere in between that would still be permitted um, uh, so uh, that that would still be permitted that assumes that he cannot send a messenger uh, to do something that he couldn't do right now but a vow, you can make a vow and make it a, a, and fulfill it with some with a reality that does not exist right now. That's our question. Okay. Okay. So we we can answer it by saying uh, he he his vow. We're gonna uh, um, understand the meaning of the vow is if I find uh, someone who is a nazir, then I will shave him. Who uh, will become a nazir? So in his vow, he maybe he includes that clause and says not only uh, not not just I'm gonna I'm going to shave a nazir if, uh, that who is around now. I will shave someone who will be a nazir. So let's say he made the vow that way, and that way that's why that works there. Well, we could say the same thing here. Maybe here also he the sender said or meant that if you find someone who uh, who has who got who got divorced who will be divorced from the time that I send you until that time that you meet her then do kiddushin right I authorize you to go and uh, do kiddushin for someone who's married now who but who will be single um, by the time you get to her so it should be the same thing and therefore um, if the kiddushin can work in this case for someone who was divorced then uh that guy the sender would be prohibited to marry that the sister of someone who was divorced because who knows maybe the sender went and actually did kiddushin uh with the person woman who got divorced which would make her their single sister prohibited and so once again we're back with the same problem all right, so now we're going to answer it. Amri, lama shavi ini shaliach ela bimileta de mase avid hashta. Bimilete de la mase avid ala hashta la mashve. No, people generally, when they send a messenger, they only send a messenger uh, to do something that the person themselves can do right now. A person does not or cannot send a messenger to do something that he cannot perform right now. Okay, so now this is a slightly new formulation. Um, it's not just that people don't have some, have in mind uh, something in the future. Maybe, in fact, they could do something in the future. Written vows you can apply to something that will change. And in messengership also, I can do something for the future. Fine, we, we answered that. But the thing is, there, um, uh, that we still, there is, there, the difference here is going to be that um, a person cannot uh, uh, tell, tell a person to do, send a messenger to do something that he himself cannot do. Um, and here, since right now the sender cannot marry that woman because she's currently married already, uh, therefore he cannot tell the sender to uh, do that for him. That's the difference. Whereas with the, with the vow, 
um, the vow is actually not about messengership at all. So it has nothing to do with the, the uh, authority of agency. Uh, regarding the vow, it's just that uh, I'm making a vow to anyone who even will be a Nazir. So that's why the vow works. Whereas for messengership, um, uh, the, the, the essential problem is that right now, I, as the sender, cannot marry that, cannot marry that married woman. And I cannot do Kiddushin with that married woman. And therefore, I will not have the authority to tell a messenger to do Kiddushin on my behalf with that married woman. And even if the circumstances change, since when I sent him, I, would, I could not have done it. Therefore, the, mes the messenger does not have the authority himself to go and do what at the time that I sent him, I could not do. Okay, that's the principle, and that's why this, uh, this case is different, why the Kiddushin does not work. Now we're going to challenge even that very principle. We're going to see a case here um, of someone who himself cannot do something, but the messenger can do something. All right, here, let's see. This you might remember from Nedarim. Someone is going away on a trip, and while he's away, he's worried that his wife is going to make some vows, and doesn't want to wait till he comes home and hears about the vows and undoes them. He wants to be them to be undone right away, and so he tells his uh, uh, steward. Uh, his his messenger. Any why any uh, he's leaving him to you know uh, uh, his his, uh, his estate to take care of his finances, and so he says, "Listen, any vows that my wife makes from now until I come back from my trip to uh, China, I want you to annul those vows." Um, and he did, uh, and he he annuls them. Is it possible to say that they are actually annulled? They are not according to the Biyoshia, because uh, the Pasuk says Isha, her husband, can ratify them, her husband can annul them, and therefore only a husband can annul it, and he cannot have a messenger do it. Now, Rabbi Yonatan disagrees, Omer, What do you mean? In all the laws of the Torah, a messenger is like, is like the sender, and so here also, he definitely should be able to do it. Good. This question is going to have a couple of steps. Okay. Now, this case of a vow while he's away is exceptional. A vows are exceptional because is for the Biyoshia, because the Pasuk says specifically that the husband has had to do it. But if not for this Pasuk, the general rule would be an agreement that a Biyoshia would agree with Rabbi Yonatan that a, a messenger is the same as the sender, and he has full authority. Okay, good. So now, So now what we just established is that from the, the the main law, if not for the exception, and this is for sure true for the Bionatan, and even the Bioshia would agree with, with this in general, for, for Kiddushin, uh, would agree that a messenger can um, can uh, uh, can do this thing, can revoke vows of a wife, right? This is the exception, but in general, this messenger can do this thing. Uh, to be on Natan for sure, and to be Yoshea, he would be able to do it just if not for this uh, exception. Good. Now, how about the man himself? Can he revoke from now vows that the woman will make while he's away? We're going to see he can't. 
אומר לי שתוקון דברים שתדעו מכאן ועד שיבוא ממקום פלוני יהיו קיימים, לא אמר כלום. If he says all vows that did you make from now until I come back should be ratified, no good. Because well, that's a general law we saw in Nadarim. You can't ratify something that does not exist, right? It makes more sense to nullify something that exists, but to ratify something that doesn't exist, doesn't exist. How can you, how can you uh, uh, put a you know, stamp of approval on a paper that doesn't exist? Okay. So that everyone agrees with. But if he says, I, uh, uh, any vows that you make, he's talking to his wife, not a messenger, any vows that you make from now until I come back, they are nullified. That's a machlok. says, they are nullified. Hachamim say, no, they're not nullified. Okay, Hachamim say that nullification and ratification are connected. That's why, since ratification he can't do, so to nullification he cannot do. Okay, now um, now we're going to finalize the question. Okay, so in the setup of the question, we're going to assume that even Rabbi Yoshia, this question will be easily explained according to Rabbi Yonatan. We're going to explain it even according to Rabbi Yoshia. Because according to the Bionatan, a person can send a messenger to annul his wife's, tell a messenger to annul his wife's future vows. According to the Bionatan, he cannot, but only because of, an, of the Pasuk, that's an exception. We're going to ignore the Pasuk for this purpose to say that from the, the basic principle of the law is also he can. Okay, so now we establish that according to everybody, yes, in fact, the husband can. Um, send, give, tell the messenger to revoke his wife's future vows. Um, but in this case, let's look, focus on Chachamim. Forget to be Eliezer. Chachamim say that the husband himself cannot tell his wife that all your future vows are nullified. And here we have a case where a husband cannot do something himself, but he can tell a messenger to do that very thing. Now, so this comes back as a question, I, uh, um, um, as, as a question to Rava. Uh, Rava, you said that a husband, um, right now, he cannot do kiddushin to this married woman. And therefore, the, uh, and, uh, he cannot kiddushin. And therefore, since he can't do it, the messenger also cannot do kiddushin to that married woman. Not now, and not also, not, uh, and not ever, um, because at the time of a messengership, since the husband, the, this guy can, the, the sender cannot do it, so that's why the sender also cannot, because she's married at that time, and uh, so he doesn't have that authority, um, and so that, but, uh, and that's why the person can go after the after the messenger dies, and the, the guy can go and marry the single sister. But this is not a true thing. We just saw that even though uh, the, the sender himself cannot do Kiddushin with that married woman, um, it does not mean that the sender cannot. The sender can. Here's a case where a sender can do something that the, that the messenger can do something that the sender can't do. And so, here, so to here, let's say the messenger can go ahead and do Kiddushin with that woman who was married and is now divorced. And since maybe he did Kiddushin with her, 
that he's prohibited to the single sister? And so that is the question. And the final uh, answer is, We could be following, actually, to be Eliezer. If we follow to be Eliezer here, um, he says that Mufad, he can do it. So um, that the husband himself can nullify his wife's future vows. And the, the messenger also can do it. So according to Rabbi Eliezer, there is no example of a case where a messenger can do something that the sender can't do. And so he, according to Rabbi Eliezer, he can establish that principle. And since the sender can't, cannot mar, uh, do Kiddushin to the married woman, so too the messenger cannot. And that establishes Rava. Okay, good. So that's an answer. Uh, clarification. Clarification. According to the Eliezer, who says that the husband himself can uh, go to his wife and say, all your future vows are annulled, why would he bother telling the apotropos, hey, when I'm away, you nullify all of them? Why don't he just do it himself? And the answer is, um, Because person says, oh, listen, I might forget, or I might get angry, or I might get busy with other things. And so he's talking to his apotropos, telling him, you know, I want you to sell this, buy this, take care of that. Oh, and uh, before I forget, I don't want my wife, uh, wife's vows to be, uh, I want them all, I want my wife's vows all to be nullified. And so she's not around and he might forget or he might get angry in the meantime and say, you know, I'm not nullifying your vows. Um, uh, uh, or he might just get busy uh, from now till he sees her uh, before he leaves. And therefore he's telling the boss, listen, on the list, okay, you nullify anything that should come up. Um, and that way, uh, in the meantime, also the husband can decide to ratify something that she, she says before he leaves. Um, so it gives him more flexibility and he doesn't have to worry about forgetting. He took care of the thing. You take care of it. That's the whole point. That's why he's sending, that's why he's appointing the Pos to take care of all these things so he doesn't forget. And so, yeah, even though he could do it himself and tell the wife himself, it, th- there are circumstances why it would be more convenient to tell an Pos. All right, fascinating discussion. And now we get to a next Mishnah. The discussion of this will be short. Uh, we saw a part of this yesterday. Um, one person A says, I take upon myself to shave half of a Nazir. And the other person says, I also take upon myself an obligation to shave half, a, half of a Nazir. They're not becoming Nazirim themselves, but they just want to sponsor whatever. What does this mean? Half a Nazir. So the Machloket about this. Rabbi Meir says, there's no such thing as half a Nazir. They both have to pay for a full Nazir. All the expenses of a Nazir, all the animals, whatever, $1,000. So each of them have to pay the full $1,000 because there's no such thing as half a Nazir. Chachamim say, you're right. Although there's no such thing as half a Nazir, there is such thing as half the payment of what the Nazir is going to have to have to pay uh, to buy all of his uh, korbanot. So if it's a thousand dollars to buy all the korbanot and everything that he needs to do, so um, uh, person A will sponsor five hundred, and person B will also have to sponsor five hundred of some Nazir. Uh, so it does make sense to say uh, the chasin nazir means the amount of money, um, half of the amount of money that a nazir will be obligated to. 
Good. Amar Rava. Rava also now is going to give a clarification. Everyone agrees, Rabbi Meir and Chachamim, that if a person said, uh, 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 person A and B, they both said, um, half of the sacrifices of a Nazir I take upon myself. That is clearly referring to half of the amount of money to buy the sacrifices. And then they only, they only has to pay $500. And also, everyone agrees that if a, if a person vows and says, the sacrifices of a half a Nazir are upon me, there's no such thing as a half a Nazir. And so the sacrifices of half a Nazir, he has to pay for all of the sacrifices because there's no such thing as half a Nazir. You can't be half a Nazir. You can't be Nazir for only 15 days. You can't be a Nazir for only some of the obligations, the prohibitions, and not others. Okay, so those two are clear because they're, they're, they're clear one way or another. Uh, that he meant um, all uh, half of the korbanot, that's good. Half of the korbanot is the amount of the korbanot. Half of a nazir, that clearly mean, that has, makes no sense. He has to bring the full. The only machloket is in the more ambiguous statement here when he says hare alai first legaleach and then he adds chasi nazir. How should we parse this? So that is why there is a machloket. When he says, Hare alai legaleach, according to the Bimeir, uh, since he says, Hare alai, I am taking upon myself to shave, um, that means a nazir, and that's it. He's obligated in the full amount of 1,000. When he adds two more words after, Chassin is half of a nazir, well, you can't um, uproot what you said first. The second you say, you're already obligated $1,000. You know, nothing you can say after that to undo that full obligation. So the saying is what makes it a problem. Whereas if he just says, uh, um, uh, see the alai here is all the way at the end. And so he has no obligation. He did not take upon himself the full obligation uh, at the beginning of the statement. He said, Oh, half 500. What about the 500? Alai. So since he already said the half before he said alai, that, that's why he can get, he, it only means a half. Even though the second one, he also says a lie at the end, but the second one, that the chatsi is not on the korbanot, it's on the nazir. There's no such thing as a chatsi nazir, so everyone would agree he has to pay the full thousand. Uh, so when he says, hare alai, and then he says, um, chatsi nazir, so the chatsi nazir could mean sacrifices, but you can't undo what you already did, already said at the beginning. Um, whereas Rabbanan say, Neder, he made a vow, but he also uh, left an opening. Just like when you make a vow, you can go to a sage and say, here's what I meant, uh, I, I, this is the circumstances, and they can undo it. Here, they're not going to a sage, but the uh, same idea, its interpretation is with it. You have the neder, and you have the meaning that comes right after it. And yes, you can connect the two as one sentence. And so, therefore, he said, Mare alai legaleach, it's upon me to shave. And even though that by itself would be $1,000, he added in the same sentence, half a nazir. Oh, now we understand what you accepted upon yourself, the amount of, uh, of half 
the half of the amount of uh, what, what a Nazir would bring, and therefore that is 500, and that explains why this is a uh, this is a machloket, whereas the other cases were unanimous. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen. Ve'amen.